Welcome back to the Zeitcast, everybody. Uh, I am so excited about today because really, I'm always looking, especially since she moved, for any excuse I can come up with to talk to Cece Jones-Davis. And so I'm especially grateful uh, that she was willing to come uh, back onto the podcast. Of course, all of you who've been around for a minute know her and love her already. I was thinking, too, as we're launching the new season and uh, so much is happening. It's really kind of fun and, and weird uh, because when we first started the podcast, it was right at two years ago, actually the first two guests I had, I believe, uh, kind of right out of the gate were, were um, Cece and Scott Erickson, both of whom I had conversations with this week. So it wasn't planned that way, but it feels like kind of a coming full circle in that way. But it almost kind of feels like um, uh, Cece is so family to all of us that uh, kind of needs no uh, introduction. But in case you do, the Reverend Cece Jones-Davis, of course, is an extraordinary activist. She is a singer-songwriter. Uh, she does a little bit of everything. Uh, we, of course, are so incredibly proud of this monumental work that she's done in leading the Justice for Julius campaign, uh, which, as grateful as we are, uh, for her witness and what's already happened. We're so thankful that um, Joyce is not going to be executed, but the fight is far from over, which I'm sure we'll be talking about. Uh, but she's just an amazing human being. And man, how long for the day, Cece, when there were at least once a week, it was just me and you and Nicole and Malika in a little room and we just got to hang out. <laughs> I, I miss you. I'm so happy to see your face today. Oh my gosh, Jonathan. I'm so glad to see you. I miss y'all so much. Um, you know, you, me, Malika, Nicole, we have really, I feel like formed a really special bond through fire and, yes. um, it's always a treat for me to talk to you. So thank you for making the opportunity. Oh, it's, it's always an honor. I mean, I know you're busier than ever. Uh, lots of irons in the fire, which, um, kind of sets up a little bit for where we're going. I want to talk about the work. And I want to talk about where things are, because I've thought about that, that for people who've been uh, kind of following on my end, I'm sure they would love um, to have a bit of an update on on everything. But I was thinking even how we talk about that today, uh, because I do know we want to have a conversation that's a little more personal, reflective, a little more soulish. Uh, maybe this maybe this is a good way of leaning in. Um, let's start for a moment just, just with you. So the Justice for Julius movement um truly a i don't know what you i mean i i mean throw out all the biblical parallels to make it uh, make it about moses make it david and goliath like whatever i mean it was it's the mustard seed it's it was something that was small something that was began in faith and hope that's turned into a national and global movement with all kinds of support um of course the last few months i know have been incredibly uh, I can't even imagine how draining it's been emotionally and spiritually and uh, in every other way, physically. So maybe kind of first and foremost, how are you, how are you doing kind of in the, yeah. in the thick of all this? So, yeah, Jonathan, I thank you for asking. Um, how am I? I am, um, I feel like to a degree, you know, recovering, you know, um, those of us who were on the ground in Oklahoma, um, you know, fighting so hard, you know, in the last three years, particularly the, those last three months, September through November, uh, there was just 
there was a lot on all of us, you know, there was, there was a lot and there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of trauma that came along with, with uh, this experience. And so you can only imagine what Julius himself has been through or is continuing to go through and what his family have, have been through for the last 22 years, Mm -hmm. Antoinette Jones, mama Jones, you know, and the, and the family. Um, so what I am experiencing, I would imagine it's only, you know, a percentage of what these people um, have been through. But I am probably the best, best way to put it. I'm in a, I'm just in a healing process, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that healing process is not as easy because the, the absolute right thing was not done, you yeah. know. Um, and it doesn't feel good to to say to 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 talk about these kinds of things in terms of winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for lack of language, I don't feel we won. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm deeply grateful that Julius is alive. But you know, he life is more than just being alive, and yeah. he deserves yeah. to to flourish. And he's not flourishing and that's a lot, you know, that's a lot to think about. Um, but I'm just trying to, um, kind of regroup and listen to my own soul for a while and figure out what's next for him, for the movement, uh, and for myself. Quick, quick follow up on that in particular, Cece, because I know like that day and that's in, in part of, yeah, cause you were I, there. Yeah, so part of well, part of the trauma of the whole—I I would have to think for Julius, for everybody who loved him—is and the cruelty of how everything was handled. When you push something like that, the decision to the last minute, of course, there's going to be a palpable sense of relief. The kind of oh my god, uh, he's going to be alive another day. But I'm curious about how, even as you talk about how in your mind, there's not a sense of we won. I know it's Mm -hmm. ultimately not about how things translate, but so much of this has been, you know, you have have to think a lot about messaging and um, Mm -hmm. how things are being received and kind of where like where a movement is or whatever. Because he wasn't executed, do you think a lot of people think of it as this has been won, this is over? Well, he's not being executed, so this is fine. Do you think that's what the yeah. popular perception? A lot of people have gone on thinking things are fine now. I do. I do think that a lot of people have kind of um, adopted that that idea that you know, well, at least he's he's not dead. At least he wasn't executed. And you know what I'll say first about that is that you know um, Julius was very much prepared. You know. Um, I don't, I have never been in a situation where I've had to prepare for death on a particular day. Mm -hmm. And that is what that man did, um, in a really remarkable way. And he always said, you know, I'm an innocent man. I would rather, you know, I'd rather die than spend the rest of my life in prison. And that, that's always been, you know, really hard on all of us to hear because we, you know, no matter what we want him to be, to live. Right. Um, but he's taught, he's taught me, 
He's taught me a, a great deal about the about quality of life, about flourishing, about um, the value of life, and um, the decisions that every human being should be able to make for themselves. He's taught me a great deal about that. Um, you know, and the truth of the matter is, no, we didn't win, and he is still in prison, and his quality of life is not good at all. Um, you know, an innocent person should not be in prison in the first place. So the fact that he's cold, he doesn't have the blankets, the fact that, you know, um, you know, the fact that he's still isolated, mm -hmm. he doesn't, you know, have access to, he's not able to watch TV. So he's in a cell just all day, you know, all those things are just really, really hard, mm -hmm. um, to kind of wrap my mind my mind around um and people there are people who feel like that's that should be good enough I, and that's only because they don't have enough proximity right you know that's only because it's not them it's only because it's not their brother or their son yeah. you know it's only because it's not somebody that they that they know in their heart mm. um but for the rest of us it's not, it's not good. It's not good enough. And so we have to really pray and figure out, um, you know, what, what's possible, what's next. You CC, I mean, through all this, I don't, I don't think it would be possible to, to fight harder than you fought or to, um, you know, to, to be many, any more aggressive in terms of, you know, putting your whole life on the line for something but is it a fair reading that given how the the governor handled all that is does it feel a bit like now that um since that day that there's a little bit of sense of the gloves being off now <laughs> in a different way because i've it's 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 um it's feel some of the, some of it's coming across that way to me that in some ways yeah. that while he's not Yes, he wasn't executed, but there was so much that was revealed, and so in such overt ways that the the tone and messaging for justice for Julius has continues to just get much more has been much more direct. Is that fair to say? I think it is fair to say. You know, it is not often that um, we have an opportunity to save the life of a black man yes. uh, in a state like Oklahoma. Um, oftentimes when we are running campaigns or we're making things visible from an activism point of view, we're talking about black men who are dead in the street. Yeah. And so there was definitely a need to be thoughtful and right. careful and strategic about how do you go about um preventing the lynching of a black man in a state like Oklahoma. And it was a very, very delicate dance. Mm -hmm. um, our goal was to get Julius the best opportunity possible uh, before the governor. Yeah. And I feel like we got him the best opportunity possible. We did everything in our power to get him to the governor's desk um, with the uh, the level of awareness raised, with the eyes on Oklahoma, the eyes of the world on Oklahoma, 
with um, the governor's staff being very well versed in what the issues were in Julius's case. And I just want to remind people out there that, you know, the the pardon and parole board in Oklahoma voted twice, yeah. three to one, that Julius's sentence should be commuted to life with the possibility of parole. And the governor rejected both of those recommendations. Um, so, so does the is is the heat hotter? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it, it is hotter, and it's it's hotter mainly because, from my point of view, the way that things went down, the way that the governor handled things in Oklahoma, particularly that last week, was cruel. Yeah, absolutely. And he let us all know, in my opinion. He let us all know not just what he thought about Julius, but what he thought about the rest of us. Yes. And when I say the rest of us, I'm really more specifically talking about people of color. Mm. Like, uh, you know, because people of color and, and white people, too, don't get me wrong. Mm. But people of color were at the forefront of fighting for Julius's life. Um, and I, you know, considering how he has treated the tribes in Oklahoma and right. all of that, I just think he's been very clear with us how he feels. Yeah. And before we were doing our best to give him the benefit of the doubt, nevertheless, we're going to continue to pray for the governor. Yeah. Um, we are con going to continue to pray for ourselves and to pray for Julius and to to ask God, you know, what is what is not if there's a way forward. What is the way forward? Yes. You know, yes. I, I I deeply believe in this God who has who makes rivers in the badlands, you know? And mm -hmm. um it's all about where is the river, not if there's a river. Mm. And um we're gonna find it. Um I couldn't I it's I've been hard pressed, CC, to just contextualize and all that to think of when I've ever seen a more open display of contempt by someone in public life. I mean, that the, you know, you're not talking about something where, oh, well, maybe he didn't see this letter on his desk or didn't have like whatever. I mean, the extent to which the amount of noise that was made uh, by uh, just credible people, all walks of life, whatever, to wait to the very last minute. I just, you know, I, I, that, I'm, I really feel like that's so underplayed as, as a story, just the, the, the cruelty, the idea, and the idea that that could, could get translated as like, you know, some compassionate thing happened <laughs> from the governor. Yes, and, and, you know, and I think to, for people to really understand the level of cruelty, you'd have to know what was happening. Um, you know, that week, uh, Miss Madeline Jones and Mr. Anthony Jones and Antoinette Jones and Antonio Jones um, went down to McAllister, to the prison, um, to have what they thought would be maybe their last visit with Julius. That was the day before the scheduled execution. So that was Wednesday, November the 17th. Um, and, you know, um, I had the honor of accompanying them, being with them on that visit. Not, I did not see Julius, but I was with them, hmm. um, you know, going down and, to allow these people 
to have what they thought was going to be their last visit with their son and their brother. Um, you know, Mama Madeline is typically, even through the circumstances, a very, you know, um, gregarious, upbeat, you know, woman. Yes. And that day, you know, I, I just saw, understandably so, I just saw someone else, you know. I remember asking her, you know, how, Mama, how are you? And she had her head, she was in the backseat, she had her head, you know, leaned back and her eyes closed. And she just said, you know, I feel like I'm not even a person. I feel like I don't exist. I don't, I don't even feel like I have a social security number. You know, yeah. does any, has anybody heard me? Has anybody heard me say that my child was with me that night? Has, mm. has anybody heard me? And I, you know, I, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget her saying that she felt like she didn't even have a social security number. Mm. You know, I, that, that's just something that, that I'm not going to forget. Um, but I'll tell you this, Jonathan, because I think you could really appreciate it. Um, Julius's sister Antoinette has just been a complete warrior. Yeah. You know, she's a, she's a quiet person, but she is a storm. She yes. is smart and intuitive and oh, she's she's amazing. Yes, and is. Antoinette had called down to the prison with, um, some days before earlier that week and requested a meet uh, requested a visit with Julius for Sunday. Mm. Well, the the execution was scheduled for Thursday. But she called to schedule for Sunday mm. after Thursday. And the prison was like, ma'am, you know, Julius has a schedule to be executed on Thursday. Mm. She said, oh, I know, but I want to schedule time for Sunday. That was a tremendous, wow. tremendous act of faith. Ooh. So, and all of this and so much of this has been about faith. And I want you to know that she was sitting, having that visit that Sunday mm. with her brother. Mm. Good grief. That's, yeah. so, that's so powerful, Cece. Oh, I love that. I'm, um, I'm so moved by that story. I'm so moved by, well, I mean, Madeline and Antoinette, you know, their witness through all this has moved me deeply. Your yeah, witness too. Too deeply, um, the spirit, like through all this, I think maybe in, in pivoting just a little to some of the things that we were going to talk about today. And I tell you something that I thought was really beautiful, Cece. I've sort of been, and I'm not going into all that, but it's been, it's, it's been an interesting moment for me because, um, after, well, not being as active on social media, kind of waiting back in uh and i keep saying like every day it's like okay i'm jumping back in the waters of of twitter it's been a minute but it's almost like kind of like where to begin so just the last week i've been more like i've been in a lurking phase kind of a lurking phase on twitter and <laughs> it's a lurking phase on twitter and my right. my favorite thing that i saw and what uh hung with me and i thought okay i wanted to make sure that i asked about that because i think even you know um thinking about some of the things that we're thinking about you had a tweet. I I'm trying to remember what the story was because it was because there've been honestly several sad stories like this recently. Um, a public suicide recently. Um, yeah. 
And but the, you had the, but you had this tweet of kind of the and the spirit of it at least I don't have it in front of me was this Just, idea. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. But it, it, this idea of people will say, you know, like, well, I just don't understand how anybody could do that. And I, you just had yes. this wonderfully vulnerable tweet of essentially saying, well, I can understand that. Like, I've had those kind of days. I've had those kind of moments um, where you feel that way. And I just thought, because I know, like, for me, I think things converging in my life, pandemic, like all the stuff, you know, the way it happens. Um different people for all kinds of reasons are dealing with despair. But I, I think CC, especially like when I look at you, I can't, I think when people see you, they see, okay, well, here's a person who's living with so much hope, so much meaning. Your life is full of purpose is full of meaningful and purposeful work. And you have a beautiful family and like all of the kinds of things. I just think, I think it's very powerful for, for folks, the kind of permission that when they see someone who does have faith, does have hope, is doing meaningful work in the world to be able to say out loud, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, like I, mm, I, I, I know that feeling. I just felt like, I just thought that was especially powerful. It was powerful for me. It's a healing thing for me to read. Right, right. Like, you know, listen, you know, I, there's not a lot of range of experience, range of emotion that, any of us are not in touch with, with yeah. if we're honest. Yes. You know what I mean? If, if we're honest. And I'm trying to find it. That's why I'm looking down so that I can read it for folks yeah, who yeah. are. Um, yeah. So here's what I said. This was January 31st. People want to know how Chesley uh, Christ or Christ, I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, a beautiful young woman with a bright future, jumped to her death easy. It's called overwhelm. I've had a few of those days. Take a break. The mind is fragile. Get around your people and stay there until you feel hope again. You know, let me tell you something. You know, we are creatures of limitations and, you know, we can, you know, put try to put on these capes and, you know, be out here like we can do all and conquer all and be all. But it does come to a place where um, your mind does let you know, hey, I've had enough. Yeah. You know? Um, and I I don't know anybody, uh, you know, because I'm surrounded by um, overachievers. I don't know anybody who has not experienced the depths of overwhelm, mm. including myself. And sometimes overwhelm can make you look around your life and look, just look around the world and kind of say, huh, mm. I'm a little bit tired of all of this. Yeah. You know, like if this, if this is li if this is what life is, mm -hmm. I, might, I might be able to do without this, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes, I mean, those thoughts can come yeah, just like that. And sometimes it's not about you being so subtle. It's just about you being honest with the fact about, why, you know, why does everybody love life so much? Because it's not going so well right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's sometimes more about wanting the pain to go away than actually dying. And I think, you know, so many people make the decision um, to um, end their lives ultimately because they want the pain to go away. Whatever the pain is, they want it to go away. It's not always that they just want to stop existing. They just 
They just need the pain to go away. And I know, you know, in moments in my own life, you know, and God knows, you know, um, if anybody has known me or known anything about me or for the past three years, especially, but even before this, you know, um, I understand despair, particularly as somebody who's worked in the advocacy space for a long time. I started out working in HIV AIDS uh, advocacy. Um, I moved on to, you know, to also be inclusive around women and girls issues. And I understand, man, when you when you look around and see the magnitude of our problems mm-hmm. and you think about how many people need so much help. Right. Right. Um, you know, sometimes that can make you feel smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller and less and less significant you know like i can't do nothing about this you know what i mean like this is way i i'm trying to throw everything i got at it but it's not enough you know and those kinds of things can really lead to despair yeah yeah you know really can and it's just a human human experience and so I don't know that there is a complete remedy because I think we have to go through this life and live through this life and have and understand the range of human emotion. But I tell you one thing, in times like that, I really did need that phone call from my sister. Mm. I really did need that day when my mom just decided to stop by and ring my doorbell and come in and be a mom to an over 40 year old woman and make my bed or, Mm. you know, sweep my kitchen floor. Those for yeah. times when I d- desperately needed people who love me yes. to step in. And, and a lot of times they didn't even know they were stepping in, mm. you know, they were just being themselves. But yeah. that that love, that reminder of being loved are, are the things that kind of can bring you back a little bit when you feel like you just might be on a dangerous edge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, those edges might not always might not always be about you being on the brink of actually ending your life, but they can be about like emotional and mental break. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And that's that's a hard edge to be on as well. Yes, yes, yeah. Which uh, yeah, because even if you're alive, but you're kind of you know checked out and systems shut down. And I mean, I just I think a, a, a lot in terms of what you do and other people we love do in an advocacy space because, and Hey, I understand that people for all kinds of reasons, you know, sometimes need to bury their heads in the sand. And I think they're all, and all and this is an age in which people have all kinds of ways to escape and try to escape or whatever. But that's one of the things I think about is that, you know, when you're, it's a choice that you make, it's a choice that um, the work entails to, be very awake to pain, to be awake to rage, to be awake to suffering, to fully right. engage all right. of the most volatile um, feelings and not just your own feelings uh, on, on behalf of others. And, you know, it's why I feel like, you know, there's such a high rate of, 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 of burnout, uh, high rate of burnout. And really in all serving professions, we see that in the, 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 uh, <laughs> the amount of people dropping out in terms of clergy and stuff right now is just astronomical. 
but you know, I just, there's, there's something about um, kind of making that decision to, to continue to engage the, the, the pain of the world that way. And there's no way to do that and not get that like in, like in you and in you and on you. So I don't know. I feel like sometimes though, there aren't the best resources, at least in my experience within those kinds of spaces to care for our own souls, to know how to do that, to know how to talk about it, especially when, you know, the whole idea is there are ideas that are bigger than us and we need to be about like the broader work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you even, how do we even then get to a place where we can admit, okay, yeah, maybe nothing does matter more than the work, but right now I'm mm -hmm. not doing so great. <laughs> right, no, and that and that's hard, you know? That's, that's really hard for, especially for people like advocacy people and activists. Um, that's hard because, you know, we, I think we are really built to be like fix-it people, like, yes. you know, like, okay, where's the fire? You know, we have to do what we have to do to put this fire out and we've got to put it out as fast as we can with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds. And, um, you know, I, I, but I do think for people who have a longevity in the, in activism, advocacy, however you describe it, um, there is a maturity that comes along to yeah. say, okay, that you're right. You know, there are lots of issues. There are lots of problems and you might be able to be helpful there, mm -hmm. but you can't be helpful in the, from the grave. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't be right. helpful from, you know, um, a mental health institution. You, you, you have got to be whole as best as, as best as you can yeah. so that you can bring yourself, your full self, your full weight, your full intellect, your full heart to whatever that is. Yeah. And I've heard people say that before, like things like that before, but I wasn't mature enough to mm. really be able to receive it and to live it out and practice it. Um, but now I'm, now I get it, you know, now I get it. I understand how people fall out of heart attacks and strokes and, you know, all kind of, you know, terrible things when from stress and overwhelm and um, not knowing how to have some boundaries for yourself. I, I, I totally get it. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn it better. I'm trying to apply those things to my life now. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get that whole, the body keeps the score idea. It's like, you know, your, your body will let you know <laughs> yes, it limits will. and will impose these kind of, the, um, the, the limits on you. Um, right. What, how are you finding ways to, for self-care and soul care right now? Where, where, hmm. where do you, where do you get it these days? What do you do? What are you able to do? Where are you able to go to yeah. find a sense of respite in this moment? Yeah. Um, you know, I am the, the things that are really feeding my soul right now. Um, I'm listening to podcasts again, mm. you know, um, because for a while everything was about, you know, wake up, get to work, yeah, work as hard and long as you can go to bed and do the same, you know, repeat. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm starting to wake, I'm starting to wake up with more grace you know, waking up, um, understanding the, you know, what a gift it is to be alive another day. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, waking up to something that can feed my spirit, mm. whether that's a sermon. Um, I love T.D. Jakes. So I listen to a lot of T.D. Jakes sermons or listening to Super Soul Sunday um, mm. podcasts uh, from Oprah because I love her. Yeah. Or listening to something from Brene Brown or, you know, and, and you know, my, my taste goes is different from day to day. But I really do now I'm trying to wake up with something that is feeding my soul, feeding my spirit, feeding my mind, um, giving me some good thoughts to think on throughout the day. Um, I'm also, you know, in a boot camp class. It oh, wow. is hell on wheel. <laughs> Hell on wheels. And, um, but you know, I'm there huffing and puffing, sweating it out. Um, and so trying to be, trying to be a lot more honoring of this one body that I have. It's yeah. all I got. Yeah. That's the only thing that's going to transport me from place to place. That's right. In this earth realm. And I am trying to be a lot more honoring. It's taken me a long time to really respect and appreciate the body, mm. my body. Mm. Uh, I'm just trying to do that a little bit better um, by, you know, trying to be more thoughtful about what I'm eating, trying to be more thoughtful about my heart, you know, how my heart rate is up and down and trying to, you know, burn calories and all of that. Uh, so those are some of the ways that I'm really trying to, but, but also, Jonathan, it's also been about like stealing myself long enough to make, you know, moments of connection with, mm -hmm. you know, my kids, yeah. you know, because, you know, we've been in this mode of just kind of running from place to place and, you know, just kind of, it's, it's almost felt like I've had them for some time just on my back and I'm just like, you know, we're just running here and running there and just trying to make sure all these things get done. And now I've kind of taken them off my back and I've brought them around the front of me and I'm looking at them now, mm. you know, looking at them in a new way and really interested and, and inquisitive about like, who are you? Like, who yeah. are you? You know, we've been going a long time. We've been yeah. running a long time, bouncing from meeting to meeting and event to event for a while. Now, who are you? How are you doing? And who are you? Mm. So getting to know, my daughter as an 11 year old and my son as a five year old, mm. you know, I've, I've just had to, I've just had to quiet my soul in some ways, um, you know, and be a lot more present and a lot more intentional. That's beautiful. Cece. I love, I love that. And there's so much in that. I'm like, yes. I mean, it's, I'm always interested in the way I think in general that people who are so, diligent and attentive to caring for other people's bodies and you know julius's mm -hmm. body's been on the line but, you know are not always the best at you know Oof. taking care of it okay i have a body and like so i just i love i just think that encouragement is so needed and i know a lot of people who are listening are people who are trying to engage really good work and just and need to hear that permission to do the things that care for their own bodies for their own soul um i want to I feel like there's a there's a there is a transition here somewhere, and I'll, I'm um, when honor your time. Of course, uh, you've been so generous, so I'll let this I'll let this be the last question. But I was thinking, and I, I don't know it, how this might connect even with the broader idea of kind of honoring the 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 body. Certainly, the honor, 
but one of the things I've loved about the many great conversations we've had, I mean, I, I know of at least twice now that we've been able to have some kind of public conversation that was during Black History Month before. And I'm curious as your own as your own experience continues to evolve and to, and to change and um, in a way, I know you wouldn't say that like in a self-referential way, but you know, it's like you're, <laughs> well, because you've always been black, you're always living black history, but it, you're you, in a very real way. I think that everything that's happening with the movement, it's, it's being mm-hmm. part of a very living, breathing history that connects to a tradition in very tangible ways. And I'm just really curious, just coming into black history month uh, this year, how you're experiencing it what you're feeling, um, what, how, that's, how that's settling in you, especially on the heels of all the experiences you've had in the last, in the last year. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I, was a, I was really blessed recently to be a part of a, a Levi uh, campaign uh, for Black History Month called Black History Now. Mm. And that's kind of what I've been thinking a lot about. I have, you know, I, I think as a result of all that we've experienced in the last year, I have much more appreciation for the people who are doing the work now, who are making what will be history now. Yes. Um, and just, you know, all, all the Black women who are writing and putting out awesome books and Um, You know, all of the people who are fighting for voting rights, Um, you know, there was just an activity down here a a few weeks ago with, um, you know, a group of organizers who were getting arrested for, you know, protesting for voting rights. I think about, you know, the folks who are lifting up the death penalty now um, as a racial justice issue. Yeah. you know, I, and so I, I, I'm really this month thinking about Black history as now, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm so deeply, I feel a deep sense of gratitude and honor to the people who are like doing such incredible work right now, because mm-hmm. I know, I know that ultimately it's going to mean so much for so many people that maybe are not even, not even born, yes. you know? Um, and so the grind, the work of doing justice or uh, making things right. Yeah. There's so many incredible people doing that right now. Yes. And I, and I, and I have a deep acknowledgement of that mm. at this time in my life. And I, I'm deeply grateful. Mm. That's a, I love, uh, that's so wonderful, Cece, because I think as much as it's right, to honor the past and to honor elders and people who come before it. And I know that's, that's important as a practice. It, there's just something about the notion of recognizing, okay, there are pe- people who are laying their lives on the line right now. And that sometimes history includes recent history. <laughs> what have people been doing in the last five years, five months, five minutes that actually was like changing the world and connected the way that that story connects with this, historical story, this movement. I just, I just love that so much because, you know, I mean, I think it's just like the same way that how often at a funeral, by the time somebody dies, we say like, Oh boy, I wish I would have thought 
to have said that to you while you're still alive. <laughs> I just think like even in that spirit, it feels like, yeah, okay. Um, there are an awful lot of folks that really need to be cherished and treasured and honored while they're still here. <laughs> and we have the opportunity yeah. to do that. And to, and to connect that with this month in particular to me, just, that just feels really powerful. Yeah. And you know, as you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about, particularly two of the black women who I know recently came out with books that I really, really want to recommend to people. Yeah. That is Candace Benbow, uh, B-E-N-B-O-W. Um, Candace just came out with a book called Red Lip Theology. Uh, and I think, I think your audience, Jonathan, would really eat up a lot of what Candace is saying. Absolutely. Um, I, I know Candace a little bit. And so I know a little bit about her work and her her thoughts, um, and I'm waiting on her book to get to me. But I really do want to recommend that book because I, I think I think it's going to be so important. And also um, Lisa Sharon Harper, who I know you know as well, Jonathan. Lisa just came out with a book called Fortune, um, to talking about her family from eight to ten generations and how uh, just kind of a walkthrough in practical terms how. African-American people have been denied access to building wealth. And she walks you through that, you walking through her family. So those are two books that I recommend. And of course, Jonathan, I know that you've got a book that's going to be coming out soon. And I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. I know how um, seriously you take words and how important they are to you. And I, knowing a little bit, personally about what you've been walking through the last few years, I cannot wait for the world to hear your words. So thank you in advance for that contribution. And I cannot wait to read it myself. Oh, that means so much to me, Cece, more than you know, with just your support and friendship. And I was just thinking, even in the kind of ending the conversation here on this last note, the last couple of minutes, how like, how perfect it feels. You know, I, I'd, I feel like I talk about you all the time, um, as little as we get to see each other right now, being in different states. Right. I just, you know, I, you're always so heavy on my mind and on my heart. And I just hope that you feel how much that I celebrate you, treasure you, appreciate you, uh, how much our community here, like you are just, um, you're, you're such a hero to us. And not in that on a pedestal in a weird way, so then you can't be a real human being. Not like that. Like, in a, like we just so so believe in you and so deeply love you and um, just are, are with you and everything. And so I just, I just hope you know just how special you are and to watch the kind of space that you've carved out in the world and the difference that you have made and are making. It's just absolutely extraordinary. I just hope, you know, just, just how loved you really are, my friend. I, I feel it, Jonathan, and I deeply appreciate it. You know, um, you all in the table um, have been with me, um, literally from the beginning and got behind me when I had some very strange notions about getting a man off death row in Oklahoma. And so I, I'm not going to ever forget that. I'm not going to forget you all's love and support and how you helped care for my soul um, at a time when I, I maybe, maybe, maybe I was losing it. You know, maybe I was on an edge um, and, you know, you all really helped take care of me um, when I was in Oklahoma mm. in a lot of ways. And I, um, I'm i going to always, always be grateful for that. 
Oh, that's so, that's so lovely. See, so, well, I think we're all kind of we were all weirdos in our own spaces in our own way, and finding <laughs> each other, it's like we were able to kind of feel like, oh, we can fully be ourselves and who we feel called right. to be. But this group would be all right, you know. And weirdos is the truth. We were some beautiful weirdos in Oklahoma. I promise yes. you. Yes. <laughs> Well, Cece, uh, just again, just love you so much, my friend. Thank you for this conversation. It's been absolutely Thanks, gorgeous. Uh, and can't wait to see you again uh, soon. And we Hopefully sooner rather than later, definitely. A hundred percent. I love talking to you, Jonathan. Let's do it again real soon, okay? Absolutely. Okay. Take care, friend. All right.